right, people of the internet, we are live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and I think we're still on YouTube. I'm Dave Rubin, this is the Rubin Report Direct Message, and it is Friday, and we are bringing back the Friday All-Star panel. Joining me today are the host of Unapologetic Live on PragerU, Amala Ekpanobi, host of the Young Heretics Show, Spencer Clavin, and a writer, speaker, and mad mama. Alicia Kraus, Amala, Spencer, Alicia, welcome back to the Rubin Report. Thank you. Good to be, be here. here. Thanks for having us. Good to have you guys. One of you, Alicia, in LA, a second one of you, Amala, in LA, and uh, a third of you, Spencer, a former LA guy now in Nashville. And the theme of the show, and of course, I'm a former LA guy now in the free state of Florida, the theme of the show today is going to be that we're winning. I think some good things are happening. I think you guys are all right in the thick of it. And that's what we're gonna be covering today. Obviously some of the Roe v. Wade stuff. Elon uh, Musk now is going to be the CEO of Twitter. Like he's really going all in on this thing. And uh, you may remember that orange man, Donald Trump. Uh, well, 22 of his 22 candidates that he endorsed all won uh, their elections in the last couple of days. Before we get to any of that though, I wanna talk to you guys about real estate agents I trust. Uh, you guys know that buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do. And it can be 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment. That's a lot of responsibility and you need an agent who takes that seriously. That's why I recommend Real Estate Agents I Trust. Founded by my, by my good buddy, Glenn Beck, they work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework, talking to every agent before inviting them to join their network. And here's a big one. They only work with full-time professionals, no part-time or inexperienced agents. Their team makes the intro and then follows you through the buying or selling process to make sure that you're satisfied. Partnered with The Blaze, the agents they work with have a long track record and are best sellers in their field. They're part of this audience, they share your values, and they're almost anywhere you wanna go, especially Florida, people, it's pretty good here. The process is simple. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today and pro provide us with some basic info. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Their team will contact you to make an intro to their preferred agent in your town. And now back to me. All right, guys, so obviously the big story this week, I emailed it to you in case you hadn't heard about it on the Twitter, uh, is this, uh, this briefing that got leaked. It does look like uh, Roe v. Wade is going to be flipped. That will, of course, kick abortion back to the states. Uh, just a little info here from Politico. The Supreme Court has voted to strike down Roe v. Wade according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito and obtained by Politico. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled, Alito writes. So we've got some video of Elizabeth Warren going completely bananas, but before we get to that, guys, um, Amal, I'll start with you first. Uh, let's just talk about the leak for a second. Are, are we already past the point where we're gonna figure out who the leaker was or does anyone even care anymore? I mean, it seems like such a crazy, extraordinary escalation of just the general state of everything collapsing at once. Uh, but we need to find out who it is, right? 
Oh, I completely agree. There needs to be a full-scale investigation launched on this. And that was something that I harked on when this first came out, is that, guys, we're not supposed to be seeing this. This is completely unethical, and it's undermining the only institution that we really have left to trust or had left to trust. And I was wondering, you know, what's going to be the next issue? There's got to be a next issue. They didn't win with the whole don't say gay thing. They didn't win with the CRT. They're not winning with climate change because it's too distant from us, and it had to be something. And this was their most immediate push that they could have. But we need to find out who did this. Because, again, it's a complete undermining of this uh, established institution that we've had so much trust in. Spencer. Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, can you imagine if this had been in a conservative direction, this leak? I mean, remember January 6th? Our norms, the insurrection, the attempt to undermine a free and fair democratic process. What Amal is saying is exactly right. If anything represents an attempted insurrection or an attempt to interfere with a serious democratic mm-hmm. process, I mean, it's it's this. And you, there would be, you know, investigations, there would be persecutions, prosecutions, and nothing. I mean, a little bit, the courts. Whoever this leaker is, I don't know. For some reason, I think it's a dude. He will get a professorship at League Law School, like Yale or Harvard, and then he'll get an instant MSNBC contributorship for life. I mean, but had this been someone on the other side, to Spencer's point, uh, I don't think it would be so cushy. So let's just talk about the actual content of it, because I've, by the nature of my job, every now and again, I have to watch these CNN and MSNBC clips, and they're quite horrific. Uh, But when you watch what what mainstream is saying about this, the implication is that abortion is now going to be illegal. That, of course, as you guys know, and as my whole audience knows, that is not what this is about. It's about kicking it back to the states. We know that most states are going to have legal abortion. They're going to have some restrictions. And there might be a small amount of states that absolutely outlaw it. And maybe some will have, you know, minor restrictions related to rape or incest or the health of the mother, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But is this just a perfect example of how we can't get anything done right anymore because nobody trusts the media and there are just half half the countries basically brainwashed into thinking that this is about abortion being taken away altogether and that, uh, you know, Hands Made Tale is now a reality show. Alicia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen so many celebrities and memes out there um, trending on social media, even posted by friends of mine that I'm like, no, this is actually not true. Uh, credit to Lila Rose by the action because they've been counteracting a lot of the mistruths about this out there, including that ectopic pregnancy, which requires a medical DNC, is not abortion, guys, and it's not going to be outlawed. When something like that is crucial to the life of the mother, it's still going to occur, and it is not the same of actually ending a baby's life you know, smushing them inside their mother's womb and then vacuuming them out um, when it is a viable human being. And so there's just a lot of mistruths out there. And I'm like, I'd love to have a conversation about reproductive rights, since that's what Planned Mm -hmm. Parenthood and radical leftists claim to be for. Let's talk about how the reproductive rights and medical rights of women were crucially infringed over the last two years. And from the same people that are shouting, my body, my choice, are ignoring, I don't know, female Disney employees and others who are saying, don't want a vaccine that I don't think should be forced on me. I mean, we can go like toe to toe on this all day long, but they don't want to talk about the actual details of it all. They just want to pretend that Republicans are all big bad guys that want women to die in back alleys. Amala, uh, Alicia mentions radical leftists. You like me, maybe more than me. Mm-hmm. You were a radical leftist not too long ago. Um, yep. are, you, are you surprised how all in they're going on abortion right now, meaning 
the left, basically there's almost no Democrat politician, including Joe Biden at this point, who is saying that there should be any limits on abortion. That's what the new bill Mm -hmm. that Chuck Schumer is pushing right now, that they will fully leave it up to the mental and physical health of the woman, which means you could be eight months pregnant and just say, hey, I don't wanna be pregnant anymore and they will allow it. We know that New York has already passed laws related to all this. Are you surprised that there's just like, like that's the extreme position, Uh, but there's nobody, there's just nobody left, right? On the Democrat side that's gonna reel this thing in? Right. I'm not surprised by this at all for the politicians and elites. I think it's this last last ditch effort before this next election cycle to sort of hone it in and get these young women voters to get involved. As far as your average day leftist, which I used to be, they are just so overwhelmed with emotion and these sort of visceral reactions to everything in the news cycle that this is just another blip on the calendar. They're waiting for the next issue so that they can hop on it. And it seems like to me with this particular one, all I'm seeing on the political left is If I can scream the loudest, it means I'm passionate and it means I'm right. We've seen it with Elizabeth Warren. We saw it with Anna Kasparian with the Young Turks. Saw it with Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Seeing it with all these young women standing outside the U.S. Supreme Court crying their eyes out without even understanding what this draft opinion means. It is just complete and utter chaos and hysteria because they think if they're hysterical, it proves that they are right. And unfortunately, well, fortunately for us, it does not mean that. Spencer, you're sort of anti-hysterical. I think it's one of the reasons that people dig what you do. How do we how do we win over some of the people that Amal is talking about? You know, the all of these kids, but it's not just kids. I mean, it's adults that mm-hmm. really are hysterical right now. We'll show you the Elizabeth Warren video in a second. How do we win them over just calmly explaining, I mean, not only like the difference between a, a, a three-day embryo and an eight-month fetus, but just the legal issues here and everything else? Well, you know, I, I think it's exacerbated by the fact that we have Joe Biden, like misinformant in chief, getting yeah. up here and, and repeating this stuff. You know, it really matters how the president behaves in situations like this, how he talks. And at this point, you know, I'll give him the excuse that he's basically like a, a potato with drool <laughs> at this point. But but it is kind of amazing how it scrambles their brains, this thing, because it, it doesn't they can't throw any of the usual lines at it. So they're just taking the whole playbook. It's racist. It's sexist. It's homophobic. I mean, Biden was out here saying things like, you know, this is going to make it legal to separate uh, LGBTQ kids in classrooms. It's like, sure, Joe, it's also going to make it legal to throw Labrador puppies off of cliffs. Like, why not? You know, you might as well just say anything. Um, And, and, you know, so that part of it is kind of distressing. But there is an element of this, actually, that is really hopeful for me. Um, And it goes back to something that Antonin Scalia observed about Roe v. Wade, um, you know, back when it was was passed. He said, you know, by foreclosing all democratic outlet for the deep passions this issue arouses, by banishing the issue from the political forum that gives all participants, even the losers, the satisfaction of a fair hearing and an honest fight, by continuing the imposition of a rigid national rule, instead of allowing for regional differences, the court merely prolongs and intensifies the anguish. I think one of the things we have to realize here is the hysteria that we are seeing is a result of Roe v. Wade. It's a direct consequence of how it toxified our politics. That's such a great, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. Go ahead, go ahead. 
Well, it's just so funny because leftists will say that they want democracy, but they only like democracy when it is the court siding with them on issues that they care about. And I'm like, this is actual democracy. If you wanted to vote for Gavin Newsom, I don't know why, he's kind of an idiot and then some, uh, but he's already gone out there and said, Governor Hochul in New York, that as you mentioned at the top of the show, Dave, states will be able to determine what they want to do. And some states, including Washington, D.C., which is disgusting to me, allow abortion up to birth. Um, and other states, like my good old home state of Oklahoma, won't do that because they value life. And that's true democracy and work and progress. And I thought that's what leftists wanted. And by the way, places like California will become abortion havens and you will be, have all of the Hollywood celebrities will be able to fund nonprofits to bus in. It's gonna end up being poor black girls mostly to get abortions. And then I suspect after a few months of that, the optics aren't gonna look so good that a bunch of rich white liberals are aborting all these young black babies, but they'll, they'll keep doing it. But Spencer, really, real themselves. quick, they I wanna get back. Yeah. I wanna get back to something you said because Biden did this re really awful move yesterday when he said this thing about, okay, well then they're gonna discriminate against young LGBT kids and not allow them in schools. First off, the briefing was written by Alito saying this has nothing to do with any other case. Secondly, putting that aside even, it has nothing to do with any other case, whether Alito had written it or not. But also we have anti-discrimination laws. We have the equal protection clause. We have things that make us all equal. That has nothing to do with this, yet we still have this mind-muddled idiot saying these things like this. Yeah, well, that part of it, I think, is just because they, they, they now at this point are just reflexively lumping every possible prejudice together. They're not talking about the law. They're just talking about the emotion. There is an element, as always, they're seizing on something real to kind of weaponize it into this extreme hysteria. Um, and it's true, you know, Roe and Obergefell, the gay marriage uh, yep. decision are not based on exactly the same kind of reasoning. But I have I've been rereading the decisions, you know, ever since this stuff came out. And I have to say that I, I could see this court overturning Obergefell for some of the same reasons that it overturned Roe. Um, and uh, you, you, I, you know, think I'm, even even despite the equal protection clause, which really was the explanation that you that you can't treat people differently once states make these decisions. Uh, yeah, I think so, because the the reasoning in Obergefell turns in part on arguing that it's discriminatory to treat a male-male union different from a male-female union. And I think that underlying that is a kind of denial of the possibility of telling the difference between men and women. And I think that you know both Alito and Thomas have kind of signaled this. And I wanna read what they said, because this is also important to this question of like letting the people decide, right? He's, about Obergefell, uh, Justice Thomas and Alito concurred. They wrote, you know, several members of the court noted that the court's decision would threaten the religious liberty of the many Americans who believe that marriage is a sacred institution between one man and one woman. If the states had been allowed to resolve this question through legislation, they could have included accommodations for those who hold these religious beliefs. There's a big difference between gay marriage and abortion, and that is the direction of public opinion. Abortion has become a more contentious, more divisive issue. People have dug in their heels. The public opinion was already moving in favor of gay marriage. It's up to like 70% now. 36 states, by the way, had done it. Exactly. Remember every exactly. week another state was doing it, it was happening. Right, and look, I mean, you're gay married, Dave. I'm gonna be gay married in three months. Um, those are not gonna be retroactively annulled. The court's already decided that decision. Um, but I, I do think that this is another case where 
Obergefell, you know, allows the crazy people, the crazy gays, the peak trans folks to roll in this giant tank of the court and just flatten, you know, little cake bakers and people that just, you know, want to live by their religious beliefs. And and so this is actually, if, if that happens, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if it happens, it could be a good thing for us sane gays who want to genuinely make this case and believe we can in front of the people, because I think that they'll listen to us. I think we basically we're winning this argument before the court dropped a nuclear bomb on it. Right, and it's just so, it's, this is what the left does with everything. They start unearthing all of these issues that we've settled and moved past on, and next thing you know, we're all thinking we're racist again, where everyone right. thinks everyone's homophobic again, and everything else. I wanna hit on one other thing here before we show this crazy Elizabeth Warren video, which is what Alicia mentioned about, they, now they wanna pack the courts, and to me, this is the ultimate assault on the Constitution. They wanna take yep. one branch of government, the legislative branch, and now add justices to the, to the judicial branch to do what they want. I mean, didn't these guys sign an oath of office? I know none of this stuff really matters anymore because they all just do what they want, but I think that they signed, there was an oath of office, they have to protect the Constitution, something like that. Oh, they don't care about traditions. They don't care about the foundation of this country. They'll even go and give you a promise that we would never pack the court. That is completely wrong. We'd never even think about doing it. And as soon as you put them in a position of power, boom, it's all gone. And it really lies on the foundation of what people on that side of the aisle think about America and about our institutions and systems. Remember, these things are founded in racism and bigotry mm -hmm. and patriarchy. So if that's baked into the very foundation of these systems, what do they mean to any on the progressive left. They mean nothing. They've always been a system of oppression, nothing more than that. There's nothing to conserve. There's nothing good about it. So who cares if we abolish? Who cares if we completely transform them? Who cares if they don't exist anymore? They don't. Well, speaking of systems of oppression, here's fake Native American, Elizabeth Warren. No, how, how are you feeling? I am angry. Angry and upset? Angry and upset and determined. The United States Congress can keep Roe versus Wade the law of the land. They just need to do it. I, I've never seen you so angry. You seem to be. This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. 69% of people across this country, across this country, red states and blue states, old people and young people, want Roe versus Wade to maintain you as the law of the children land. In the womb, we need to we do know, that. We're not and we have a right. Extremists, we've heard enough from the extremists. And we're tired of it. Thank you, Senator Durfee, for opening the door. All right, so she's very angry, and in America today, if you're angry, that means you're right. Uh, I thought that the question, the way that the reporter even asked the question tells you everything oh. that's wrong with everything. I've never seen you so angry. Thus, the implication is you're so angry because obviously you're right about this stuff, right, Alicia? Yeah, I also am so angry, and I've been seeing and hearing quietly in my DMs from my liberal friends via text message of how they actually are turned off by this argument from the Democrats because they're like, if they wanted to do what Elizabeth Warren was saying, Democrats have had power, and mm -hmm. they haven't done it. So you have women out there that are even self-described pro-abortion women that are like, it kind of seems like a political game at this point. And then you have other women that the one in four, let's not forget about this, that are like, wait, my miscarriage isn't the same as an abortion. And why are people laughing about 
about this and trying to conflate the two. In addition to that, I thought that women were supposed to be independent and strong and better than men, except when men become us and then they can be better than us, except when we have children, they ruin our lives forever and we can't live our dreams. The confusing message that is coming from the left is really a turnoff for women. And you saw it in Virginia, and I think you're gonna see it again drastically in the midterms, where women are like, enough is enough. You've screwed up our life for the last two years. You're using us as pawns. We're not going to listen to you anymore. Yeah, and by you the know, way, the, the numbers that she quotes there, I mean, we have some numbers here from ABC News, yeah. so this is obviously not a conservative leading news outlet. She was pulling them out you know what. Well, it's 50, this is ABC News, 57% oppose abortion after 15 weeks. By the way, yep. 15 weeks, I've mentioned on the show several times this week, that's the, the, the law that Florida just passed a few weeks ago. It goes into effect in July. 15 weeks, that's three and a half months. So this is, you can argue this is a roughly moderate position. I wouldn't even be for it that long, generally speaking, but um, nobody, no, there was no fanfare about it because people viewed it as somewhat of a compromise. It's not eight months, it's not six months, it's not five months, but even here in far right Florida with our crazy homophobic governor, Ron DeSantis, we were able to do 15 weeks. So there you go. Spencer, last thoughts. Well, uh, you know, I'd like to ask a, a kind of a leftist question, a question that the left would, uh, of a form the left would appreciate, which is Shoot. who, whose anger matters, right? Who gets to, to count as angry? Does the woman who was bathed in saline solution, you know, m minutes before her birth or shortly after and now has cerebral palsy and speaks so passionately against abortion, does that anger matter? Do the mm -hmm. miscarriages, do the sorrow, does that matter? I mean, this is, of course, so manipulative, not because people don't have strong feelings about this issue, but because of the, the narrative which all of the legacy press accepts that only certain kinds of passions count. And that's why they can't put this back to the state because they don't want people to have that conversation face to face. They, they never talk to the post-abortive women that regret it. They never talk to the um, the survivors of abortion that um, are so passionate, like you mentioned, Spencer. They never talk to the people on the other side. It's like loud noises, distraction, and that's where the media runs to because as we know, they've been this, they've had this viewpoint for a really long time and they only toe the line of one side of the aisle. So basically what you're all saying is I should have had three more hysterical people on the show. It's, it's hard to find hysterical <laughs> conservatives. No, We're it just, is. It's tough, it's tough. You guys all smile too much, it's a problem. All right, well, we obviously could do this for five hours, but we gotta move on to the next topic. So the, the big thing, of course, over the last month has been that Elon Musk is getting Twitter. It's actually happening. He said it, then it didn't look like it was gonna happen. We can raise the roof, it is happening. And not only is it happening, the guy's gonna put himself as the CEO. This is nuts, this is from the Daily Wire. Billionaire entrepreneur Elon Musk may be set to include temporary CEO, Twitter CEO, to his list of titles once his deal goes through and he becomes the owner of the social media platform. According to a report from CNBC, Elon Musk is expected to serve as a temporary CEO of Twitter for a few months after he completes his $44 billion takeover of the social media company, sources told CNBC's David Faber. I mean, the craziness about this is not just that he got it, like that, the, you know, they tried this poison pill, it didn't work. I think all the lawyers of the shareholders were like, we're gonna sue you people into oblivion. He got it, he then puts himself in the biggest fight, like the free speech fight, which is the biggest fight, and now he's gonna put himself as CEO, like, I love this guy, um, but there's a little bit of like, man, you're kinda nutty too to put, you know, it's like he could put anyone as CEO, he doesn't have to jump into the fight. The guy's also sending us to Mars and building electric cars. Amelie, you gotta, you gotta respect the game on this guy, huh? 
Oh, yeah, 100%. He's a very, very busy man. And I was so happy to see this news, to see him by Twitter, and to now see him be CEO is an amazing thing. And I think what's going to be super powerful about Elon is, like, he's pretty likable for people on all sides. I mean, he bought Twitter, immediately is tweeting out how he wants all of his critics to be super present on the platform, to say whatever they want to him. He wants to make the site fun again. He's saying his next endeavor is going to buy Coca-Cola and put Coke back in it. <laughs> He's a very likable guy for regardless of where you lie politically. And as much as the media, legacy media, and all of these other leftists wanted to come at him and say, how dare you reinstate free speech on these platforms? We don't want the bigotry we don't want the hate it's not going to show up i don't think and if it does it'll be these sort of fake psyopy leftists who are just tweeting things out from from bot accounts and i think we're going to see oh it really wasn't as bad as people made it out to be and they got hysterical like they are now with roe v wade and we're back to normal again so maybe i can't trust these people yeah, it's that, so that's actually too. the point. That's the point I wanted to make, Alicia. Like that concept right there that we're watching these people go crazy about Roe v. Wade. They're not sure what they're going crazy about. Isn't that exactly mm -hmm. what happened here? All the guys said is, hey, I just want more people on here. People can say what they want. Block people if you don't like them, blah, blah, blah. But let's just open this thing up the way we've all wanted it to be. Well, those of us that are roughly no, sane not, have wanted it to be. All. And they, like, they you know, just only, go crazy. It's only democracy if their side wins. It's only free speech if it's their side speaking. Um, it's it's only Elon's only good when he's helping Zelensky get free internet to help their military operations and people communicate in Ukraine. But oh my God, he bought Twitter. Now he's the worst again, and he's the fascist dictator. It is so funny, and and I have to say, like I'm much more entertained by his tweets than I ever was about Donald Trump. A girlfriend and I were texting the other day, and I'm huh. like, for the first time ever, I have tweet notifications set up. Before I used to want to mute the site. Now I am anxiously awaiting every single tweet he sends out because he can actually impact the scene change that he wants to at, at Twitter. And I just wish I could be a fly on the wall to see the crying that is occurring over there, over him talking about being temporary CEO. I'm sure they're freaking out. Spencer, is he sort of super Trump in a way in that he's the outsider, he's the rich guy, he's doing all the things that nobody else was willing to do, and but he's doing it in a more sort of calm, fun whatever way, like without the grab them by the, you know what, et cetera. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And I especially think the comparison is close when it comes to how conservatives are responding to this. You notice we're always accused of like hero worshiping Trump or whatever, being slavish admirers. But most conservatives, if you talk to them, they don't put their trust in princes, right? They, we don't elevate people up onto that pedestal. And Musk, listen, has said some stuff about the future of technology that gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. He's mm -hmm. not like, you know, somebody who believes everything that I believe, but he is the man for this job. What did we need? We needed a super powerful tech billionaire to fight with these guys on their terms. Um, he obviously drives all the right people insane when it comes to free speech. And this is exactly what he should be doing. I personally am getting tired of so much winning. I mean, he rolls in like the fact that he's taking over as CEO indicates to me that he intends to do something which I really think is important that he should do, which is to fire the people who think that he's a fascist Nazi terrorist evildoer, right? I mean, never mind. He's going to let them on the, the platform, of course, but you shouldn't. I mean, all these guys in New Room do this thing where it's like, well, my employees are staging a walkout. It's like, great, they work for you, fire them. Like, it's fine, you know? And, and I think that Musk's uh, takeover as CEO kind of indicates that he wants to take that kind of strong hand. You know, I have my reservations about some of the guy's beliefs, but when it comes to Twitter, Elon, take it to the moon. To be clear, when he fires all these people, I can't speak fully for Rumble and locals anymore, but we will not be hiring any of these people. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I can say that. Um, 
Amala, this idea though that, you know, it's consistent with their idea that, that words are violence, but violence is not violence, right? So if you burn down a target in the name of social justice, that's not violence. Uh, but if you misgender somebody, that is violence. So we shouldn't be that surprised that they're so bananas right now, right? No, we shouldn't be surprised at all. And I don't think Elon's going to have to worry about firing them. The brilliant thing about leftists is they won't work for him. They will just leave and they will have this mass <laughs> exodus from the company. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But yeah, it's like Alicia said, uh, they'll say anything so long as it's in their favor, so long as it supports them. You know, they don't support vigilantism when it comes to citizens taking the law into their own hands, but they're totally fine with vigilantism when it comes to this Roe v. Wade leak. They're not fine with protests and riots when they look at January 6th and everything that happened there, but they're totally fine when it, again, supports Roe v. Wade or the George Floyd riots in the streets. Everything is just going to be wishy-washy so long as it supports themselves. And luckily, I think what's happening now is normal people who are maybe in the center, classically liberal, conservative, who have just been really quiet, they're just sitting there watching this all play out. I think young people are watching this all play out too and go, you know, I'm not, even even in my puberty stage, I am not as ridiculous and emotional as this and I can't vibe with it. So I'm hoping that's what's happening is that we're just having this revolution in America of normal people who go, I cannot put up with this for much longer. A normal people revolution, I like that. Alicia, I assume if they're not happy, they can go out and build their own, right? That's what that's what no, everybody that's kept telling us. <laughs> I, I actually did it, but I get easy. that most people aren't gonna do it, but that's what the leftists can do. They're not good at work usually. They don't have great work yeah. ethic, but they can go out there and build their own internet, right? Yeah, I mean, I always thought that the George Soros could pay for those things, you yeah. know, that on one hand, they say that they hate billionaires. And we found out that it, uh, not uh, Elon Musk isn't the only billionaire that pulled all the funds together. Larry Ellison and other uh, financial groups that represent other unknown billionaires at this point um, all grouped together to create this fund to end up making this Twitter purchase. And we were told for so long, go build your own. Oh, you get kicked off YouTube, you get restricted on YouTube, you just just go build your own. And except when people tried to do that, then the Amazon servers told them that they couldn't be on their platform. And then now what, that we're gonna build our own servers? Uh, shoe on the other foot. I feel like <laughs> what Amala said is so true. Like the normal people are probably sitting there going, wait a second, Let if, if the shoe was on the other foot and it was another guy that I disagreed with in power, how would I feel about this? And Elon has tweeted and said, he's like, listen, I, I find myself like, I want free speech in general, but I don't agree with the right on a lot of things. So I'm not gonna be an advocate here for conservative values that I personally don't believe in. I think he even tweeted that to Ben Shapiro. And so, I, listen, like, like Spencer was saying, this is not, he is not our savior. No man is our savior. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's another one up there for that, but, you know, it's important to recognize that him doing this is huge and him doing this is a good thing. And I think that we should encourage more people to engage and do stuff like this. Infiltrate and influence. That's my new motto. As I've been saying, it's one man versus the system, whether it's DeSantis versus Disney, whether it is Elon versus Twitter and big tech, or whether it's Judge Mizell, 35 year old female Trump appointed judge who said no more masks and suddenly we all ripped our masks off. That's what David and Goliath, David versus Goliath is all about. All right, we got one more and uh, Spencer, you mentioned winning and uh, this was a particularly good week for that orange man who used to always talk about winning. 22 of 22 candidates that Donald Trump endorsed in these uh, primaries over the last week or so uh, won. 22 out of 22, I'm not a mathematician, but I think that's 100%. Uh, the big one, and we've got a tweet here from Columbia Eagle, of course, was uh, J.D. Vance winning the Republican primary for Senator 
in uh, Ohio, and there he is pictured right next to Donald Trump. And uh, we've got some info here from the Washington Post. Former President Donald Trump is flexing his political influence in this year's Republican primaries, backing his favored candidates in hotly contested statewide and congressional races. Trump has signaled that he believes a key potential run for president in 24 is showing that he can still shape the GOP. I'm king of the endorsements, Trump told the Washington Post on April 6th. And just to be clear here, so he got one for one in the Senate endorsements. Uh, 35 out of 40 so far of his House endorsements have worked and statewide race endorsements, six of seven. And uh, things are looking good for that Trump thing that what are they they're calling it ultra magna ultra magna I think that was an I think that was a transformer ultra that was ultra magnus ultra maga is what they're calling it now Spencer there's something happening here with these crazy republicans huh yeah, I think it's Trumptimus Prime, actually, is the transformer you're thinking of. Um, but, well, look, I mean, it's really interesting to me. Uh, reasonable people on the right have disagreements about what Trump's role ought to be going forward, whether 2024 is what we're looking at or whether he's kind of this kingmaker figure. But I think one thing that these endorsements show is that there's one wrong way to look at this. And that's Asa Hutchinson, the governor, I guess, of, of Georgia, I think, who mm -hmm. said, you know, Trump cannot be the future of our party because he will only divide us further, right? That will be, he's this divisive figure. Um, and all of his issues, these new right issues, like going hard on the culture war, uh, like trade protectionism, caring about immigration and doing something about it, right? That these are divisive issues. I think that what we've seen, not just with these endorsements, but, you know, in Virginia and places like that, that's the opposite of the case. The culture war issues are the issues that bring us together. When you show people, ordinary Americans, black, white, I don't care, male, female, I don't care, gay, straight, I don't care. When you say to them, look, these people want to come into your classrooms, they want to talk to kindergartners that, about how they can change their gender and change their sex, whether their parents agree or not, right? People are appalled. And we saw in Loudoun County how that galvanized, uh, you know, a red wave. We're seeing now that Trumpism, uh, you know, whatever you think about Trump, the man himself, Trumpism as a political platform is hugely successful. And I think that's the direction the Republicans got to go if they want to win. Spencer, I'm going to clean it up for you before Media Matters gets you. It's Arkansas, oh, no. Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, Thank not, you. not Georgia, because they're watching all the time and they're ready to <laughs> pounce. So I'm doing you a solid right there. Appreciate Amala, generally that. speaking, seeing a little diversity on the right, the fact that there is this internal fight, uh, this is good, right? Right. I, I, again, it's just normal people and normal people happen to be diverse and look different and think different. And we're all willing. We're the side that's willing to allow everybody to speak their opinion. And we want to debate back and forth. We want to come to the proper conclusion. And I'm so interested, uh, interested to see what the next thing they try to pull out of the bag, because we're winning. And it seems like on every single front, the pendulum is starting to swing back. And uh, I'm very curious to see what their uh, next attack move is, because they they can't really go after and do this whole orange man bad because he's really not at the forefront right now. He's behind the scenes just saying, you know, I like that one and people are responding. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Alicia, I sense though with 22 out of 22, he might put himself back in the forefront of this thing. That's what pretty yeah. much, that's what pretty much everybody was saying. And I was at Mar-a-Lago a couple days ago with all the crazy right wingers of Florida. And uh, they, were de they debuted this Dinesh D'Souza documentary about the election. Uh, 2,000 Mules, it was quite interesting and I would recommend people see it, whether or not it makes an airtight case is actually not even for me to say. Um, but this kind of nudges the idea that he's mm -hmm. gonna jump back in, right? 
Oh yeah. And people on the right, like yourself and Ben Shapiro are saying this, and then you have the New York times, the daily that did a whole episode about it the other day, which obviously they're skewing to the left, but what he's not, uh, he's not only asking people like, Oh, Hey, what are your conservative principles? Or are you, you know, a MAGA person? He's asking them their opinion on the 2020 election, whether or not it was stolen. And apparently according to some insiders, he's even asking them, would you support me in 2024? I agree with what everybody said, that it's great that he is able to have influence and the majority of these candidates seem like legitimate conservatives. I just wish that he would set aside 2024, endorse somebody like DeSantis or Nikki Haley or somebody else, or maybe wait for a little bit and then determine who he's going to support and continue to endorse and influence and maybe give some money on a pack level to candidates across the country and step out of it and not run for president, because I don't see that as being a positive for the Republican Party or the conservative movement. I think it's just possible that the machine would not let him win no matter what, whatever whatever that means. So it's like, is it more powerful? But he's bringing to... in more money than the machine. Right. He's so... brought in more money in this last year than the, than the National Republican Party has. So he has the coffers to kind of support himself here, and he has those diehard fans. I just don't think it is enough, and we need to get... Biden and Kamala out of there. And I think that there's a lot of other reasonable candidates that are on the national stage that appeal to the Republican suburban women that didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2020. I didn't in 2016, I did in 2020, but unfortunately those female voters stayed home because we are different than men and we don't like to see orange man saying certain things or treating women in certain ways. And there's great conservative candidates out there that he could support and endorse and have influence and be a kingmaker without being the guy at the center stage in 2024. Actually, I'm not sure about this, but uh, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016 either. I did in 2020. Can I, can I ask you guys that? Did you guys all come around later? I'm, I'm not even I sure. I was 16 were... years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm oh, always man. the youngest person on these things. You've got to give me that. I'm old I'm now. I'm so sorry. you got to step aside. I'm the youngest, and I have uh, the biggest hair. Dave. And the, I know. You really you really got me on the hair. I have a strict policy of not letting people have higher hair than me on the show. You really got me. Uh, Alicia, I want to finish up with one other thing, because you had a little drama this week. You go to oh, speak, yeah. you go to speak at a university, you were just gonna give a talk, nice decent talk about free speech and some of your principles, and these kids and the university not so happy with you. Uh, not just the kids at the university not so happy with me, the administration, the leadership of the university not so happy with me. Um, good on the kids over at Young America's Foundation though, the principals of the university, but they had a queer pastor and LGBTQ and trans reading hours and we're able to interestingly approve a dance demonstration within th uh, 48 hours when they sat for weeks on a contract for me to be an approved speaker on campus. So I decided I'm gonna fly out. I'm gonna support the majority, the silent majority of students at that campus that are upset with the administration abusing their power and only giving a voice to one side. And when we showed up, there are about 80 protesters waiting for us, chanting that I was a bigot and a fascist and I don't say gay. Um, but I was like, but what about my gay friends, Dave and David? Anywho, <laughs> and so it was a lot of fun. We ended up going to public property and I just, you know, listened to them call me a fascist. And then once they stopped yelling in their bullhorn, I'd ask them through my pink megaphone if they had a question because I wanted to discuss and dialogue. And then they'd yell that I was an old A, B word. And then I would say, okay, but do you have a question? Um, and it was a lot of fun for a couple of hours.
And for more of that video, people can follow you on Twitter where a bunch of that stuff is. And actually, I'll give uh, you guys a chance to pimp yourselves out too. Amala, you, uh, you've you been fighting on TikTok. What, what are you doing? I don't even have TikTok. What are you doing over there fighting oh, with people? You know, I'm glad you don't have it. It's the most atrocious piece of social media that has ever existed. But uh, there's a new trans TikToker that is going completely viral on the platform. I ended up doing a podcast episode when this biological man had about 1.9 million followers on the platform. He's now above 3 million. And that was about a week and a half ago. So this is how fast people are growing. Uh, this biological man is being offered a sponsorship from Tampax. So I just made an episode, a very respectful one, talking about this idea and whether or not this is the right way to go as a society and he did not like it made a video on his TikTok crying about it and I have not heard the end of the leftist death threats since that very moment so if you guys want to go and check out my show on Apologetic Live maybe leave a nice review because I have thousands upon thousands of hateful messages from the very angry left who don't like reality. I'm starting to think they're not as tolerant as they keep <laughs> telling us uh, Spencer, uh, do you have an endorsement from Tampax? <laughs> that's private. That's personal information, Dave. We can talk about that after the show. Amala, I'm amazed at the way women are bullied online by men. This is a serious crisis that the left needs to address. No, but seriously, I mean, I can't believe they're coming for you. And everybody should watch your show because it really is incredible. But I, I'm oh, supposed to plug you. myself, right? Also, plug yourself. Uh, what are you doing, oh, sorry, man? Sorry. That's who's right. who's oh, angry okay, at you? <laughs> Everybody, everybody's angry at me. The, uh, no, well, one great antidote to the hysteria that we've been talking about and that Alicia experienced is to dig deep into the sources of wisdom from the past. Um, there's not a lot of that around. It's considered sort of bigoted and homophobic and racist and whatever to talk about Western culture. Um, so that's what I'm out here doing. Young Heretics is my show. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find us on Locals, uh, created by tech entrepreneur Dave Rubin, uh, where nobody owns the relationship between me and my fans, which I love, so come join us there. You guys are pros, and I think we're gonna do this very panel again. Have a great weekend, guys. I'm gonna finish up for a few minutes uh, direct to the camera, but good seeing you guys. Oh, and Alicia, I, oh, Alicia and Amala, I'll see you guys uh, in Brea on May 11th. I think you guys are yes. gonna make guest appearances at my show with Dennis Prager, and uh, Spencer, I will see you in Nashville Sometime soon, I hope. Yeah, come out to the South. Come on, All right. see you there. Great seeing you guys. Have a good weekend. Bye. All right, so uh, for those of you that are uh, still here and, and fans of the show and everything we do, uh, today's a, actually a bit of a bittersweet day for me, personally and professionally, uh, and especially those of you who are part of the Locals community will, well, you already know this because we, we dropped the info this morning, uh, but my assistant, Helen, who has been with me for about four years now, who has been just spectacular at every level. There really aren't words to describe how wonderful she's been. We, we hired her about four years ago when, when things were really blowing up with the show and, and everything that I was doing. And I was on tour with Jordan and my schedule was getting nuts and I never knew where I was. And there were, there were a million appearances and everything was getting nuts. And I was like, I need an assistant. And we had so many people been, had been sending us resumes and Helen had continuously and continuously reached out. And I had lunch with her one day after a couple Skype interviews first. This was sort of before the Zoom thing had become so ubiquitous. And uh, we had lunch with her in LA and she had worked for Rand Paul. She had actually babysat for Rand Paul's kids years before. And she introduced Rand Paul's kids to the original Star Wars. I was like, that's pretty much enough to get hired. 
by me. Uh, but she, before that, her previous job was working for Hugh Hefner at the Playboy Mansion, and she ran that for a while. And she was just joyous and wonderful and smiley and happy and competent and all that good stuff. Uh, but I said to her at the lunch, I said, so, you know, Helen, you got to tell me, like, what's going on? Give me a story about Hugh Hefner over at the uh, Playboy Mansion. You must know some good stuff. And she said, nope, can't do that, can't do that. And I, I hired her right there on the spot. Uh, so, Helen, I, I assume you're watching this on your last day, uh, and I just want to thank you beyond imagination. You have everything that we've built here, uh, and I mean that at a personal level and a professional level. You've been directly connected with, and we've built such an amazing team. And uh, Oh, and I should note, she's not leaving because she's not happy or because we're not happy with her. Uh, she has some, some personal stuff going on, and the Miami move wasn't going to be quite right for her. So. She is leaving LA, but she's going elsewhere for family reasons, and I wish uh, everyone in her family well. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a little, it's a little bittersweet. So, and I also want to welcome my new assistant, Daphne, who is in the house. She's right downstairs helping out right now, and she just moved here from Los Angeles. We got another Los Angeles refugee. So Florida just got strengthened again. Uh, so I'm very psyched to start there. And for those of you that uh, play along in the live chat, uh, during the show, obviously Helen is always in there during the shows. Daphne will now be in there talking to you guys and sending me questions and comments throughout the show and everything else. Um, so uh, Helen, we wish you well, and, and we're gonna still we'll still talk. I just probably won't text you at 3 a.m. with like a hundred things that I need you to do, but I guess I could try that. You probably won't respond now. That'll probably be it. Uh, on that note, guys, I think uh, the show today was a perfect example of what's going on here. We, we've got some wins coming. Uh, if we know what we're talking about, if we, if we stay calm and clear and concise, I think we can convince more people that what we're talking about are, are, the right thing, are the right things, they're the right answers, they're the right solutions, and we just have to be a little bit better than a bunch of screaming lunatics. I can try to do that. Can you try to do that? Have a great weekend. See you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.